This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Man, glad to be back in Texas. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. I clicked my heels and I was still 2,000 miles away. It didn't work. But I'm back. I'm back here. I'm so glad to be back home. And thank you to the team and the dream team, the staff, and everybody who just make things run and run better and run smooth. And some of you I haven't even met at surf date yesterday. There were some new families I've not even met. So welcome to church. Glad that we're, we're getting to meet uh, today. So honored to be back in the house of God. It's my favorite place to be. I love being in God's house with God's people. It's my favorite place to be, and if you're going to have an addiction, let it be to church. It's the best one. Uh, There's no high like it. I'm glad to be with God's people. Last Sunday, uh, I was actually back from vacation and all of that, but I preached out of town. Uh, It was a church that had asked me to preach at their uh, summer series about nine months ago, they asked, and so they pre-booked early. They got me me in pretty early, and um, on Friday, uh, their AC went out at the church, Um, and this church has been around since about 1940. And their ACs were installed in 1952, um, and that's literally what they told me. And the AC finally gave up the ghost and not the Holy Ghost. It just gave up every ghost. Um, and so it, I was, <laughs> the pastor called me, and he was so embarrassed, and I was already en route, and he's got, he was like, look, we're having church no matter what. It was 104 that day in the city. Um, and he said, look, we're just going to open the doors. We're going to put porticles in the back too, like the big giant swamp cooler suckers, those big, those big ones. And they ran, I mean, they ran those porticles in. They had all the fans going. It was a big A-frame church about 75 feet up in the air, those big old school looking churches. And um, then they opened all the side doors, had exhaust fans going out. Um, but I tell you what, about that day, 300 people showed up in that one service um, and uh, it, was, it was the hottest service I've ever preached in my life. Um, when I started preaching, it was 84 degrees in the room. When I was done preaching, it was 95 degrees in the room. In the room with 300 people singing with hot air um, at me under the stage lights. Um, it was hot. And then I, I was just, I got saved again because I was like, this is what hell feels like. And so anyway, it was, so, it was amazing though because it was hot. But nobody was leaving. And we gave an altar call. Um, and I did the Ask for Me in My House sermon. And, and, and they, 75 people came down to the altar. I mean, people crying, giving their fans. Come on, give God a better hand than that. It was powerful. So I tell you what, I mean, it's just that Ask for Me in My House message is resonating everywhere we go. And people are tired of letting The world and culture push them and their family around, and they are deciding that we are going to live in God's ways. It was an amazing day, Um, and so it just was a powerful thing. So thank you for uh, letting me go do that, Um, and I'm just so grateful for a church that um, is is willing to to share. (laughs) And so thank you uh, for letting us do that. But to what we're talking about today, I just probably the simplest message I've ever preached in my life. This message is one that if we don't get the content in this one, I mean, it's everything else flows out of this. And I'm not just talking about the Beatitudes. I'm talking about your life. Everything flows out of this. I'm going to prove it to you in God's word. But if you're new around here, every summer we do a a focused study on some kind of go deeper into something 
Uh, one year we did the book of James for nine weeks. One year um, we were digging in uh, to John. This summer we are digging into the Beatitudes. Everybody say the Beatitudes. It's a weird churchy word. I'm going to explain it to you here in a minute. But in the Beatitudes, basically Matthew chapter 5, uh, the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the big kahuna of sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts out with eight things that flipped culture on its ear. And he didn't even give an intro. He didn't say hello. He didn't say glad to be back from vacation. He just went right at them and didn't even say hello. He just went right at it. I love how Jesus does that, but it was the most loving thing he could have ever done. And we've been digging into it because culturally we don't get it. You read the Beatitudes, you're like, this is weird. And then you just move on to something else we could understand. And I did that for a long time. But when we were looking at the Beatitudes, Kelly and I planned to dig into the Beatitudes months and months and months ago. And, and we were like, that's something we need to learn. And like, I need to learn more about it before I can give it to you. Because the, there's some verses there that are a little strange. And today seems like it's not strange in verbiage. Um, like, like the first one we looked at, we were like, that doesn't make any poor in spirit. What does that mean? The verbiage was weird. But this one's different. It doesn't sound like it needs unpacking, but it absolutely does. So Jesus was taking what they believed was true, and then he flipped it. Everybody say he flipped it. He flipped it. So let's set the stage. The Beatitudes are this, if if you're new to the series. The Beatitude is supreme blessedness, a state of utmost bliss. You can't get more blessed than that. I mean, you went to a buffet and gorged yourself. You can't get more blessed than a beatitude. And it's just, it's just big blessing. It's, it's complete fulfillment. It's I can't contain anymore. In the Greek, it's the word makarios, and, and it means fully satisfied, completely satisfied. You don't want nothing else. You don't need nobody else. You are completely satisfied. We talked about the misconceptions of blessed in week number one and what we think in America blessing is. And in America... We believe blessing is material. But, but that's not what Jesus is talking about in the Beatitudes. In fact, he never says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall drive an escalade. That's not in there. Um, so we, blessing doesn't always have, in fact, I would say most of the time, has nothing to do with material gain or possession. Supreme, this supreme blessedness is dependent upon the fulfillment of the conditions set in the Beatitudes. The Bible's full of if-then statements. If my people are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn for them wicked ways, then I'll hear their land. There's lots of if-then statements all over the Bible, and the Beatitudes are no different. It talks about there's a beginning, and then there's there's a big if, and then there's a big then, and the supreme blessedness, though, if you want that, is completely dependent upon the fulfillment of the conditions in the Beatitudes. And we're going to read through those right now. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain and he sat down. His disciples came and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That was week one. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you on Snapchat, on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted everyone before you, they're going to do it to you. Today we're unpacking verse number 8. Let's all read it out loud with your big, booming, beautiful voices. Ready? One, two, ready? Read. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It doesn't look weird. And you read it and you're like, pure in heart, get it. I want to see God get it. Landon, we're done with this one. Move on. Don't waste my time. Go to the one where I can talk about how people revile me so I can revile them back. That's not what that means. But blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There's a lot more in this verse than you know. And remember, Jesus was talking the context of this scripture in the Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is talking to a group of Jews, and he's basically telling them, everything you've believed, flip it upside down. You're approaching God the wrong way. Stop killing turtle doves and let's figure this out. That was the land and translation of that sermon. Leave the doves alone. Except unless it's hunting season. Leave the doves alone. But blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. we got to unpack this a little bit. The first thing we learn from this beatitude, if you're taking notes, is Jesus is chiefly concerned with our heart. He is big time concerned with our heart. It's not enough to clean up our act on the outside. Wouldn't that be nice, though? Wouldn't that be easier? Like, can I just cuss a little less? Wouldn't that be easier? Like, a, a, a little less four-letter words, and then God's like, okay, now you've gone from 3.4 to 3.7 in my love you tank, in the love you levels. I mean, that's how you and I think. We think very linear. We think like that. If I put a quarter, well, inflation, if I put $9 in the Coke machine, <laughs> then I get a candy bar or a Coke or whatever. That's not how God works. He's not a cosmic Coke machine. And it doesn't make sense to us because we are transactional in our thinking. And so it's like, well, Landon, this, this is hard for me to understand because surely God already knows what's going on in there. And yes, he does, but here's what's interesting. It says the pure in heart. Here, if Jesus is chiefly concerned with our heart, what is the heart? Because Oprah and Pocahontas and Bell have been telling us since the 90s to follow it. So what is it? Well, the Bible also says that the heart is deceitful and wicked above all else. So surely Oprah and Pocahontas are wrong because God is right. If Jesus is chiefly concerned with our heart, then what is it? you got to unpack it. In the Greek, it's the word cardia. It's where we get the word cardiac. It's the seat. This is the biblical. This is what Jesus, when, there's other words he could have used. But he used the word cardia to say it's the center of who you are. All of your passions, all of your desires, all of your existence. you got to be pure in that. And they're like, come on. Because they were used to sacrificing turtle doves for little white lies. A little goat for like a, you know, like you call in to work sick, but you ain't sick. That was a goat sacrifice. And then like a rodeo bull sacrifice was like, you ton jack that up, bro. That's bad. Kill the bull because God's mad. Like, so they had all these levels of sacrifices. And for those of you that are formerly Catholic, you get it. The worse it was, the more Hail Marys and Our Fathers you got to say. So you're used to this transactional stuff, which isn't in the Bible anywhere, by the way. 
So the center and the seat of our existence and our desires and our passions, Jesus was like making it harder. They were like, just let me kill the dove and go on with my life. Stop messing with me. Just let me kill the dove. It's easier. Spill his blood. Leave mine alone. Jesus is going at the core of it. What you are in the invisible root matters as much to God as what you are visibly, actually more. 1 Samuel 16 says, a man looks at the outward, but God looks at the, say it out loud, heart. Say it louder. What's God looking at? The Bible also says, from the heart flow all the issues of life. So what is pure though? Okay, now that we know that the heart isn't just a blood pumper, the heart is the core of your existence, your passions, your desires. I mean everything. Like, and I don't know about you, but my passions and desires have changed over the years. So if we follow that, what kind of life is that, by the way? Sounds a little crazy to me. But if we are to understand what a pure heart looks like, now we know what a heart is. What is pure? Because some of you might think purity is perfection. But that's not true. A pure heart is a heart that has nothing to do with falsehood. That doesn't mean perfect. This, this allows room for mistakes. How many of you are thankful for the grace of God? I'm so, I'm, so, I'm so grateful for God's grace. But a pure heart has nothing to do with falsehood. It has nothing to do with lies. It doesn't sit there and entertain ways to weasel out of stuff. It's honest. A pure heart is honest. Has nothing to do with falsehood. Jesus isn't looking per, for perfection. He's looking for honesty. If you've got a spouse and a husband and a wife and one of them's lying to the other one, do you think that can really have a closeness? No. It, a closeness comes with honesty. A pure heart has nothing to do with falsehood. He's not, Jesus is looking for openness and transparency. And then I heard one guy say one time, he's like, well, God already knows, so why would I waste my time telling him? That's not a pure heart response. That's a weaselly response. That's a I got to get out of this response. That's a it's his fault, not mine response. It's not a heart that's attuned to God. It's a heart that's trying to make excuses. But a pure heart says, God, I know this happened. I did this. I'm not even going to lie to you about it because you already know. But God, I want to connect to you now. What do I need to do? God, I'm open. I'm honest. I'm transparent. It's awful. I hate it. I don't know what to do about it. But here I am. That's a pure heart. It has nothing to do with perfection. It has everything to do with openness and honesty. See, Jesus is looking past the stuff and he's going at the core of us. The word pure is the Greek word katharos. It's where we get the word cathartic. It's, it's, it's healing. And so it's like it's clean. It's free from admixture. It's clear. And so you and I have got to understand this doesn't mean perfection. Are you adding things into it to make it unclean on purpose? It's free from admixture. You can drink the tap water here and you won't die. It won't be good, but you can drink it. You won't die. But there's more fluoride in that water. You don't even need to brush your teeth. And it's like, please do. Please don't do that to the rest of us. But, it's, but we're talking free from intentional additions of things that would taint it. 
Now, things happen in life. We make mistakes. That's where the grace of God comes in. We, we perform sins, even willingly, but thank God for the grace of God, and he creates in us a clean heart and a pure heart, an honest heart. Somebody who doesn't have a pure heart sins willingly and then says, God, deal with it. Thank you for your grace. But a pure heart is God, because Corinthians talks about having a sorrowful heart. A pure heart is, 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 is in this place where it's like, I know I added something in. God, come and heal me again. I'm open and honest. That's a pure heart. And so it's, it's an, an, an interesting difference. In context, Jesus was bringing something counter cultural because his audience literally believed that they could leave their desires and passions where they were and then simply sacrifice things to deal with it. And then Jesus basically is getting up up there and looking at him as a rabbi saying to all these Jews, guys, the way we've been approaching our father is wrong. He wants to know you. And they're like, okay, back off, Jesus. I love being a tax collector. You need to back off. What I do at home has nothing to do with what I do at church. And doesn't that sound like where we still are today? It's the same thing. We think that God is satisfied with our church attendance like it impresses him. Like we walk in these doors and God's like, man, I just, man. Look at, look at, just look at you, God. Oh, me. God, just, oh, myself. I didn't think you'd do that. Wow, just wow. Nothing we can do can impress God. Nothing. You and I deserve hell. But because of his grace, because of his grace. And so that was a sermon a while back. It was very encouraging. But there's nothing good in us. And that was week one. (laughs) So if you, it was also our first week in this new location. And we had all these visitors and I was like, We all deserve hell. Welcome to the Purpose Church. There's nothing good in you. So thank you for coming back. (laughs) It can only get better from there, right? I I just really believe we got to get this in our heart that we think something cathartic, something pure is more activity. Like I'm not feeling close to God, so i got to serve another Sunday a month than I'm used to. Like I'm not feeling close to my wife, so i got to buy a bunch of flowers, and we got to go on more dates, and i got to go on that Hawaii trip. She's always been talking about it. Like we are wired to when something's wrong, we do more stuff to try to make it right. But God is saying, you probably should not do more. You should probably just look at me more. We're going to talk about that now. Look at Matthew 23. I love Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, just, I, just, I just love Jesus. Look what he says. It's, it's a very amazing verse. Obviously, Jesus was not into church growth programs because this is what he said. Great sorrow awaits you, religious scholars and Pharisees, you frauds and you imposters. <laughs> you are like one who will only wipe clean the outside of the cup, but you leave the inside filthy. This, is a, this sermon's going really well uh, for Jesus so far. You are foolish. I've never called y'all that before. I mean, Jesus just goes there. You are foolish to ignore the greed and the self-indulgence that live like germs within you. You are blind to your evil. Shouldn't the one who cleans the outside also be concerned with cleaning the inside? You need to have more than clean dishes. You need to have clean hearts. And then the keyboards came up and, you know, that's just... Look what the New, New Living Translation says it this way. First wash the inside of the cup then the outside will become clean too. But you and I do it backwards. 
We try to deal with all the outside stuff. And social media hasn't helped that, by the way. We deal with all the outside stuff, and then we're just hoping that the inside, by osmosis, starts to look like our activity. That's not true. It's not biblical, and it will never work. And in fact, it'll just leave you tired and angry, and you'll give up later. And so we have to deal with the inside. The heart is utterly crucial to Jesus. What we are, who we are, in the deep private recesses of our life is what he cares about the most. Jesus did not come into the world simply because we have some bad habits that need to be broken. Jesus didn't send his son to die on the cross for our sins so we got better habits. That's not what this is about. He came into the world because he deeply cares about our total condition. So before Jesus, people could really only relate to God through activity. My question for us today is, are you relating to God through striving and activity? Trying to impress him with how good you are, how many good things you're doing, how much you serve or how much you attend church or how much you give. And because how we see God determines how we treat God. If we see him as someone who can be impressed by us being good enough, then we strive and we fight and then we lose spiritual zeal. But if we see him as a devoted father who is unable to love us any less than, any more than he already does, he cannot love you more than he already does. It's already at the top. So you can't impress him to get more love because you already got it all. He's already there. This is a God who cannot be impressed by us even if we tried. A God who created you and knows your every struggle. Then we come to him. When we know that that's God, then we come to him boldly like a child in the lap of their father in relationship, not religious observance. My kids can come to me at any time. If, even if I was in a meeting and my kid ran in and they were bleeding, I wouldn't say, quit crying, I'll give you something to cry about. I'm finishing something important. No, my kids can come to me whenever they want. And I believe that God responds to us the same way. So now that we know what a heart is, and we know what purity is, and we, that it's literally not adding in things into our life to try to get to God. We receive grace. It's a pure heart. It's honesty. It's humility. It's openness. It's transparency at the core of who we are. How do we get it? How do you get a clean heart? How do you get a pure heart? And some of you are like, I don't know. I thought the answer was serve more. I thought the answer was tithe more. I thought the answer was smile more. I thought the answer was be nicer. I thought the answer was give money to a homeless guy. I thought the answer was, was, was giving money in different ministries. I, I, I don't know, Landon, what is it? Here it is, Psalm 119. How can we keep our way pure? By taking heed according to God's word. According to God's word, that is the only way. Even David said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew within me a steadfast spirit. Renew something in me. It's a spiritual thing. Your activity can't fake it. So how can we keep our way pure? How can we keep our heart open? How can we keep honesty on the table? How can we stay transparent? The only way. Is through his word. And so it seems like a very simple sermon. It probably is the most simple sermon I've ever preached because I'm basically telling you, welcome to the Purpose Church, read your Bible. But that's the only, only way you're going to have a heart that is connected to God is by knowing him through his word. 
If you only know a bunch of Carrie Job songs, you're not going to know God. If all you know is Shout to the Lord from 1993 Hillsong, you're not going to know God. There's better songs that have been written since then. If you're not going to know God by just singing songs. So you can't kumbaya your way through life thinking you're knowing God. you got to know his word. Because when life issues really come up, when you have that big time fight with your spouse and they just said the D word, you can't just start singing worship songs in that moment. There's got to be something in you that's different, that's aligned with heaven, that brings God to the table. Take heed according to his word. The only way you can do that is if you know it. So here's the bottom line. We cannot live lives that move forward with God without reading the Bible and seeking to learn it. Landon, when are we going to go deep as a church? When you do that stuff. But this is really it. It's not my job to take you deep. That's yours. This is the simple. Go here. We're not talking about eschatology. We're not doing that. We're not talking about when Jesus is coming back. Just be ready for whenever he does. We're talking about talking to him, being in him, understanding him, knowing God. Because I know God's character because I've spent time with him. If you don't spend time with people, all you know them by is how they look and what they wear and maybe where they work, their hair color, do they wear glasses or not. But when you know somebody, like if somebody asked me, tell, you about, tell me about your wife. Do you think I would say, well, Kelly wears glasses sometimes at night because um, that's when it's hard for her to see. So she wears them then. And she, she really has a nice selection of, of clothing. Um, and she drives a red minivan. Um, you know, that, my wife is great. That's how I would describe her if I don't know her. But when I describe my wife, I don't say nothing about the minivan or her clothing selection or her glasses or her hair color. I tell people that she is the most passionate individual I've ever met. And if you hurt somebody that is down and out, you better watch out. You're going to die. And she's just very passionate. And she loves people more than anyone I've ever met. And she would fight a bear for anybody in this room. And I, I would just tell them that, that she loves God more than anyone I've ever met. And that she challenges me and everyone around her to be better. You say things like that when you know a person. But if you don't know them, all you say is little stuff. The aesthetic stuff. Like if you don't know your church, if someone said, tell me about the Purpose Church, you're like, well, we meet in a school. Um, it's a lot of work. Uh, and, you know, it's out in shirts. Um, we have a cool logo. I put it on my car. Um, you would just say things like that, but if you knew the Purpose Church, you'd be able to tell them why we're here. When you know something, you know the character of it. So here's what I got for you. I got everybody a Bible if you need one. And these are new. These aren't like some old King James versions that you're not going to be able to understand. Um, we, we got you a version that's easy to read. It was just uh, released not that long ago. And in the back of it, here's what's pretty cool. It has a whole section on getting to know God. If you want to know God, there's a whole two pages on it and just very basic biblical understanding of getting to know God. There's all these promises from the Bible about how to get free from guilt, dejection, despair, depression, anxiety. There's a whole list there. 
There's perspectives from the Bible about salvation, um, if you've been cheated in life, starting a new job, establishing a new home, seeking God's direction, if you need comfort, what to do when sin looks enticing. It's all in their scripture references. And then there's a whole 30-day reading plan, 30 days with Jesus. You'll start all the way at the beginning about Jesus coming and then Jesus going, ascending into heaven after his resurrection. And I believe if you will pick up one of these and just go through what is in the back in the next 30 days, you're going to know God better. And they're free. Your tithe's already paid for them. So they're back there in the back. Christian, wave at everybody. So go get a Bible from The Christian. He's back there. That's pretty funny. That's hilarious, by the way. So everyone go to The Christian. Get a Bible. Um, they're free for you. And even if you already have a Bible, get one just for the stuff that's in the back. So they're free for you. I, I always overorder the staff things. It's hilarious. So there's three cases. Uh, so everyone just go get a Bible, all right? So take ten. Give them away. There's tons of Bibles back there. Take as many as you want, literally. They haven't even opened the other two cases. So take a case. Um, but there's so many truths in the word that you and I don't know. You can study the Bible your whole life and not even know them all. But when we know him through his word, we see him everywhere. It says, blessed are the pure in heart for what? They shall see God. Like with our eyeballs? Like, like what does he do? Does he come down in my room and walk around? Like, like, does he look like those creepy pictures of Jesus where he's like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white guy rubbing a lamb? Because that's weird. No. So what does it mean to see God? What does that mean? If I asked all of you to write an essay on it today, what would you put? There's no homework at this church. Y'all calm down. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's a depth of understanding. Seeing God is the goal of being pure. When you know someone, you see them everywhere. I know my son Levi. He's our middle child, our snuggle bug, and also loves animals. He loves lizards, snakes, frogs, everything gross he brings home. I may not see Levi in that moment, physically where I'm standing on the back porch, but I can look out at my lawn and where it's been destroyed and see the habitats he's created for all the frogs, lizards, and snakes with all the tote boxes that he dumped my stuff out in the garage to take to the backyard to put the habitats in. It's all, it. <laughs> it's all there. I can see Levi even though he's not there. I know he did it because I know it's him. I've never once walked out in the backyard and saw the four-foot garter snake that he caught and left in a box for me to find. I hate snakes. It's what the devil became. Why would you do that to me? I already have a dumb hamster. Now you want to bring the devil into my house? Rodents and demonic manifestations in my home. It's awful. Y'all pray for me. I'm trying, I'm trying. Next thing is going to be a cat, and then we're off the rails. I mean, so it's just off the rails. Total demonic manifestations in my home. So y'all pray for me. Anyway, I don't have to walk out and go, man, look at all those boxes of frogs Kalen caught. Never said that in my life. Never. I know my son, so I know that's him. When you know the character, you know it's God. So some of these things that happen in your life, you think you did it, but it was God. Some of these things that, some of those prayers you've been praying for, that promotion you wanted that you didn't get, that was probably God. 
because there's something better for you. He's not going to give you a promotion that's not for you. But when you know the character of God, you're okay with things not turning out exactly like you want because he, you know he's got your back all the time. And you're not worried about it. When you know God, you see him everywhere. We used to sing this old song in youth group. It wasn't old in the 90s. Uh, now it's a classic. Anyway, so it's in the 90s. It was, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. And that was pretty much it. To see you high and lift it up. And I didn't know what the rest of that meant. Shining in the light of your glory. Whatever that means. So we were just confused teenagers singing cool songs. And I was like, cool, I want to see God. Open the eyes of my heart. That's great. But no one ever told me how to do that. I wanted it, but no one ever told me how. I'm telling you how today. The only way to do it is through the word of God. And it isn't just like the devil to create in us a culture that is so addicted to screens that we hate to read. I think it's all connected. We have more attention span for 18-second reels of people's fake lives than we do to understand the character of the one who created us. We've got to dig into God's word to find the peace that the Beatitudes promise because the fulfillment of the promises are completely dependent upon the fulfillment of the conditions in the Beatitudes. You cannot see God without openness, honesty, and transparency. Bottom line. Blessed are the open, honest, and transparent in their heart, the recesses of their heart. Blessed are those who are gut-level honest about their deepest, darkest stuff with God. And when they are that open and honest with me, they'll see me everywhere. And the way to see me is through my word. And when you know me and you see me, you find me. I'm everywhere. Stay open with me and I'll be totally visible to you. Don't you want that in your life? It's a powerful truth. Be open, honest, and transparent. With God, King David was, he stole a dude's wife and then had him killed. That's crazy. You haven't done that this week. Email me if you have. Sorry, we'll talk about it. You might be in jail. (laughs) But I'm telling you right now, King David was known as a man after God's own heart, and he was one of the largest sinners in the Bible. Because every time something happened, sorrow came into his heart because his heart was connected to God. An admixture came into that purity. Dirt came into that clean water. And he knew it wasn't drinkable. So he poured it out as an offering before God and said, fill me again. That's the gospel. And as many times as you need to be open and honest before God, you do it. And when you're like, God, why do I keep doing this? You just keep bringing it before him because there will be a day where it's conquered. Give it to the Lord. We see God when we know his character. And we know his word. That's why Sundays are crucially important to you guys. I mean, to all of us. Because we don't, we don't tickle ears here. I don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. The world's too jacked up. We're not interested in growing a big church. We're interested in growing you. And so we're just going to give you the truth, even if it's hard. And I'll tell you right now, your unorganized lives, your distractions at home with your television habits, all of that stuff is leading you further and further into despair and anxiety. The lack of sleep you're getting is because all the blue light in your eyeballs before you go to bed. There is nothing on social media worth your time. I'm telling you right now. God wants all of you, not just part of you. God wants all of you. 
He's going after your heart. He's going after your heart. We learned that blessed means supremely satisfied. So this verse is really saying to us, supremely satisfied are those who know God through his word and whose lives are reflecting that. And because of that, they will see and sense God every day. So do we want that? Do we desire to have that kind of connection with God, that relationship that God is truly offering, the closeness that's available to you with the one who created you? So look at Psalm 24. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Guess who wrote this? King David. The guy I just told you about. Who can get to a place with God that they've always wanted, been, always wanted to be? Who can have peace in their life and be free from anxiety? Who can get that? And who can have God in, in their life and stand in his holy place? These are just really beautiful words to say. Who can be as close to God as they want to be? Who is that person? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart and who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood. Isn't it beautiful how the New Testament connects to the Old Testament and that purity is being free from falsehood and lies. Having a clean heart has nothing to do with you striving for perfection. And if you try that, you're going to go crazy. A pure heart is being open and honest all day, every day. Those are the ones. And it's hard for us to comprehend. It's hard for us to comprehend in our religious context because we feel like we, if we do something wrong, we disappoint God. I remember hearing one of my aunts tell me, Landon, you just made God cry. And I was like, oh, I was like 11 and I was like, I already knew that wasn't true. And I was like, oh, but it stuck with me in my brain. It was like, it gets in your brain, all these insidious religious things get into your brain. And now you're organizing your life to prove to God that you're good enough for his love, but he can't love you any more than he already does. Even when you mess up, he still loves you. Even when you fail, he still loves you. Someone who is pure in heart will see God because they're open and honest. And God is not concerned with your punishment. He's concerned with your purity. God's not up there with a notebook going, like, like a punitive notebook. So let's, if we're approaching God that way, I would encourage you, please pick one of these up. Start to know God. Don't start in Genesis and read through. You'll quit in Numbers if you get there. You'll probably quit at the end of Genesis because after creation it gets a little dry. So you got to start in John, the book of John, and learn about Jesus only. Get to know the Son of God. Then we'll go back and read the other stuff and that will all make sense. Did you know the Bible's not written chronologically anyway? So even if you start in Genesis, that doesn't mean anything. It just makes you feel better because you start at the front because we're used to that. Start in the book of John. And then read the book of James, written by Jesus' half-brother. That dude's cool. Doesn't mince words either. Man, what was Mary and Joseph teaching their kids? They just went right at it. Those guys are truth-tellers. I'm telling you, when you start to know Jesus, that guilt that you're cut feeling starts to release. Because you know him. And you know he's not angry with you. You know you didn't make Jesus cry. You know that he is wrapping you in his arms even when you're trying to run. Because he loves you that much. So where does this leave us today? He doesn't desire perfection, he desires you. 
it leaves us with a decision to make. And I wanna encourage you. The day that I became vulnerably honest with God was the day I never went back to hiding. He accepted me, forgave me, washed me clean. And I tried far too long to clean up before I showed up. But God is inviting you today to show up and let him clean you up. He is for you. He is 100% for you. He desires for you to see him. And you can jump into his word as soon as you leave here today, but it starts with the decision to do that. For some of you, that decision is to make Jesus the Lord of your life, maybe for the very first time. For others of you, it's to rededicate your life to Jesus. If so, there's a prayer partner that's gonna be in the back of the room in our response time here in just a moment. Let them know, I wanna come to Jesus today or let them know I'm coming back to Jesus. They'll pray with you and your life will never be the same. So here's what response time is all about today. Honesty, reflection, and action. Being honest, what do you need to be honest with God about today? What do you need to be open and pure with him about? Where, in reflection, where are you lifting your soul to falsehoods? And to be honest with you, the, that number two, I think that's different for a lot of people, but for me, it took me about 10 years to get to the point where, like I stopped watching the news and reading the news, like the world's always gonna be crazy. It's not gonna change my everyday life. I'm gonna keep serving God and keep serving you. So why would I fill my life full of lies from people who are paid to give it to me? So I just stopped reading it and watching it for sure. I was lifting up my soul to falsehoods and then I started reading the Bible through the lenses of American politics and that got weird. That was, that was for me though. It's been over a year. The Bible's never been more alive to me. Find out what that is for you. Number three, now what are you gonna do about it? Don't say amen and leave here and do nothing. What can you adjust about your morning routine tomorrow? Tomorrow, tomorrow. You're singing it in your head, aren't you? I'll love you tomorrow. But what can you change tomorrow? Don't, well, tomorrow I was gonna sleep in. Not anymore, you're not. Tomorrow, what are you gonna do to change your routine, to prioritize knowing God so you can have a pure heart? Get one of these, just go all the way to the back. It's like page, oh, I lost it, 500 something, 590, all the way to the back. And just start with the number one that says, I'm gonna know God by reading these scriptures. And then write down, God, what are you saying to me today? And just listen. And then thank him for speaking to you. Do that every day and see what happens. What do you got to lose? But God will speak to you. I promise you, he will speak to you. So what do you need to be honest with about? Where in your life are you lifting your life up, your soul to falsehoods? Where are you mixing stuff into your faith that you know you need to get rid of? And then what are you gonna do about it tomorrow? So here's what response time is for us. We end our services, if you're new here, every Sunday by doing this. We have four tables, two over here, two over here. Each of them have communion cups at them and a little card that talks about how to take communion. You'll guide yourself through that. And because it's between you and God, you're not taking communion with the church. It's between you and God. Um, it has nothing to do with us. It's you remembering the sacrifice of Jesus over your life. And then there's some cards there that talk about, that can kind of guide you through some of these. It's like, what did you hear God say? Now, what am I gonna do about it? You can take those, write it down. I usually put mine over the speedometer because speed's relative. So I usually put it right in front of my, just kidding, y'all stop, calm down. So it's, 
Just write it down, put it on the fridge, put it on your mirror, put it somewhere so you can remember what God said to you today. And then there's prayer partners in the back of the room. And they're there to pray with you about anything and everything that's going on in your life right now, should you want it. But especially about the content today. When Kelly and I or any of our pastors or any guest speakers or anybody get up here, this is not a performance. We don't live for your applause. I don't need your amens. This has nothing to do with me. I'm just the guy that got here with the microphone. And I think that if you can get that out of your mind a little bit and know that I was just the guy that happened to deliver this to you today, now you gotta do something with it. You gotta open the box and do something with it. It changes the game. This is not a performance, this was a delivery. Now you gotta accept the delivery. Don't reject it, accept it. So what the band's gonna do is they're gonna start singing here in just a moment after I pray, and that is your cue to respond, to go to any of the four tables or go to the back to a prayer partner. Let's go ahead and stand to your feet. So glad to be home, so glad it's not 95 degrees in here. Let's just be bold about it. Would you just extend your hands, open your hands, hold your hands out, whatever it is, and just start it out the right way. God, we surrender to you. 100% surrendered to you. God, would you speak to us today? And God, we lay down our preconceived ideas and we just say, whatever you want to do in me, do it. Fill my cup, Lord. God, we pour out the falsehoods we've mixed into our faith and we ask you to create in us a clean heart, fill us anew today. And may we never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and respond as you feel led and then Kelly and I'll come up in the service here in just a moment. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, Tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.